May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Well, good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. Glad y'all are here. My name's Adam Jungblut. I'm the campus pastor at the North Campus. Really, Jungle Bud guys? Really? Really? Thank you. Yeah. If you didn't get that, it was a joke from last week. You'll have to listen to it on the podcast, and then you'll laugh at me um, for that. Thank you guys for that introduction. Appreciate it. Hey, glad y'all are here. Also want to welcome our North Campus watching this via the video. Miss you guys. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. All right. We're in our second week of our series, Say What? And in this series, we're taking a biblical look at the words that we say. Because what we say has extreme power. Our words contain power to them. And today we're going to look at how to heal from hurtful words that have been spoken to us, as well as finding so much healing in how God views us and who we are in Christ. You know, as I was working on this message, I started thinking back, the handful of hurtful words that were spoken to me and how I've healed from those. It was easy to think of a slew of hurtful words that have been spoken, but after taking a look at how the Bible teaches to heal and then looking at how I healed from those words, honestly, I I really didn't do that great of a job. Looking at now what I know and looking at how I healed, I'm not sure there has ever been a time where I have healed in a very biblical manner. Now I've healed, it's just taken me a lot longer and not as healthy of a process. But I did remember a time when I spoke something extremely harsh to somebody that I loved, and it cut them deep, and they were hurt, and they were wounded by it. And I watched them heal, and I watched how they handled it. And they handled it well. I was in high school. It was my senior year. I was on the track team, and it was one day after school. We were at track practice, and I'm running circles, and I'm having a horrible practice. Just wasn't feeling it that day. Legs hurt. It was just bad all the way around. My times were slow. Everybody knew it. Coach was yelling at me. He knew what I was capable of. It was one of those practices where this cannot end soon enough. Well, at the same time, uh, my brother, Neil, was on the soccer team, and he had a soccer game after school in the field in the middle of the track where I was practicing. Well, my dad had gotten off work early and made it out to the soccer game, got there early, and caught the tail end of my track practice. Now, he had no idea I was having a horrible practice. I just wanted it to end, and I wanted it to be over. Uh, And so he was sitting in the stands, and as I rounded the corner of the track, he yelled some encouragement out to me. Honestly, I didn't want to hear it. I was not in the mood. I did not want to hear, hey, you're doing great, Adam, because I wasn't. It was just, I, I didn't want to hear any of it. And so as I ran past the stands, I said, why are you here I wish you would just shut up. Now, I thought I said it a little bit quieter than I did. Come to find out it wasn't as quiet as I thought. And if you're thinking, that's it, that's all you said, like far worse stuff's been spoken in my house. Look, I have an amazing family, grew up in an incredibly godly home. Those kind of words were not spoken. I would never have said that to my dad to his face because I know how badly it would have wounded him. Well, it was a couple days later, my dad said, hey, I need you to come downstairs. There's something for you on the kitchen table. Came downstairs, and sitting there on the kitchen table was a letter that he wrote to me, letting me know that he heard what I said, that it cut him deep, 
and that it hurt, that he was truly hurt by it. I, I don't have the letter, I wish I did. I remember thinking, I, I, I could have died. I hated it that he hurt, I hated it that I said that, that I hurt him and wounded him so deep. At the end of the letter he said, come find me when you're done reading this. So I came and I found him after he expressed his feelings through the letters, I apologized profusely to him. And we talked about it and we had a chance to kind of restore our relationship, express love to one another. And I remember throughout the whole deal, he was treating it as if it was this really big deal and it was. But I also remember thinking back on it that it never really rocked him to the core of who he was. That even though I said something so hurtful and so harsh to him, like he never doubted the fact that he was a great dad. Like that didn't change. He handled it in a big way, more in a sense to restore our relationship. And as I look back on it, how he healed, and when we were done with that conversation, like we were done, it was over. And we never brought it up again. He healed well. He knew what he was doing. Look, we've all had hurtful words spoken to us. They've all been said and they cut deep. Maybe it was an ex that said something extremely hateful on the way out the door. Maybe it was a boss about our performance, talent, quality, hurt, a teacher, coach, maybe from a friend, well, thought to be a close friend. Maybe it was words that were spoken in a very hateful manner. Maybe it was a quick side comment that cut deep. A sarcastic comment meant in joke, but just hit that right chord and hurt. Maybe it was a long tirade. Maybe it was short. Maybe it was said weeks or months ago. Maybe it was something that was spoken years and years and years ago in childhood that's still lingering today. Think about it. Recall one of those moments. You know, as you're thinking about it, I'm sure I'm bringing up a hurtful memory. And let me just say this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry those words were ever spoken to you. I mean, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Go, what a lie. Absolute lie. There is a danger, an extreme danger in not healing from those words. The danger is, is that if we let those hurtful wounds linger long enough, they can have a lasting impact on us. And the danger is we can begin to believe that those words are true because we're not combating them with anything. So they become true and they begin to replace our identity, the identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. And when that begins to take place, there is an extreme shaky foundation and ground that we are walking on. Left unchecked, I've seen this issue lead to divorce. I have seen this issue cause kids to resent their mother. I've seen this issue shred a friendship that had been since childhood. There is an extreme danger in letting hurtful words linger and those wounds go unchecked. Now something I've realized 
in this process of, of studying the Bible, what the Bible says about our words and how to heal. There's no three-step or five-step process. There's no do this, 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 healed. It's just not there. The Bible lays out for us tools that we can use, that we can put into place in our life, and in the end, we can find healing. Before we want, I want to get into the, the, the details and lists of those tools that we have, that we're going to look at today, I want to say this. You will not find healing outside of Jesus Christ. You will not find it. Finding healing and beginning to heal from hurtful words starts with a relationship with Jesus. If there's never come a time in your life where you have placed your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is your first step today from healing from hurtful words. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life and then die on a cross for our sins. And this is so important. It's so important because look, we've all made mistakes. Not only have we all had hurtful things said to us, but look, let's just be honest, we've all said hurtful things to other people. We've all said hurtful things. And those are sins, those are mistakes. Anytime we miss what God calls us to, it's a sin, and for all of us, that's a lot. Well, as imperfect people, how can we have a relationship with a perfect God? As imperfect people, how can we spend eternity in a place the Bible calls perfect in heaven? Well, we can't. So God fixed all of that when he sent his son to live a perfect life and then take the penalty for all of our mistakes. And when we put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, all of our mistakes, all of our sins are forgiven, wiped clean. And we can enter into a relationship with him now, and then when we die, we get to spend eternity in heaven. That's where healing begins. If that's you, that's all you need to be thinking about for the rest of the message. That's the most important step you can take. I'll give you some time at the end of the message. I want to take that step. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes on the back. But let's take a look at some of these tools. So let's start with this. If you haven't gotten your sermon notes out yet, go ahead and do so. Get your pen ready. What tools can I use to heal from hurtful words? Now, I've numbered these tools, but remember, this is not a three-step or five-step process. They're numbered, but there is no specific order as to which you have to, uh, to apply these tools in your life. So let's just look at this first tool that the Bible lays out for us. Here's number one. Don't pretend I'm not hurt. Don't pretend I'm not hurt. I've talked to many people who struggle with their feelings when it comes to hurtful words. They feel as if the words should not have hurt them the way that they have. There's almost a shame and a denial to their pain because the words spoken, they say things to themselves like, well, those words shouldn't have hurt me that deep. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, I shouldn't hurt the way that I do. I shouldn't feel the way that I feel, so they just continue to stuff and stuff. That hurt comes back and stuff and stuff it and stuff their emotions. Well, eventually what's going to happen? Explode. Because there's this pretending. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. Look, stop pretending. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 11:28. 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Look, when Jesus says, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, he's confirming their emotions. He's saying, look, you're weary. You're carrying heavy burdens. I acknowledge that. Look, you acknowledge that. Now, come to me and find rest. And in your rest, there is healing. Jesus does not tell them, 
Hey, look, you shouldn't feel worry and you shouldn't feel like you're carrying heavy burdens. That's wrong. No, that's not the case at all. He's confirming their emotions. He say, look, you're weary. We don't know what happened in their life that made them weary, but they are. Jesus isn't concerned about what happened. He's concerned about where they are and the feelings and the emotions that they have. Look, let's take Lily, my five-year-old daughter. Let's say she's walking through the living room and she just trips over a toy, takes a very small fall, but in the process, hurts herself really bad. Small fall, big injury. How ridiculous would it be if she felt ashamed of the pain that she's in because of the little fall that she took? to the point that she's embarrassed by it, she's in denial of the pain, and never comes and tells Robin and I that she's hurt. Because she's saying to herself, I shouldn't be in this much pain from a small fall. How ridiculous is that? It's completely ridiculous. Stop pretending. Stop pretending that you're hurt. Look, Jesus is saying, hey, it's okay that you're weary, that you're heavy burdened. It's okay that you hurt from those hurtful words. But God's desire is that you heal. Jesus' desire is not that they stay weary and heavy burdened, that they come find rest and come find healing from whatever it is that got them weary and heavy burdened in the first place. So listen, stop pretending. Stop pretending. Let's face the issue. There's hurt. It's okay. Now let's heal. What's the second tool? Second tool that's laid out for us is talk to a safe person. Talk to a safe person. There's a lot of times you're gonna need help healing from hurtful words. This is not an easy thing to deal with and you're gonna need help along the way. So you have to talk to a safe person. Well, what's a safe person? There's three easy keys to a safe person. First is they love you, they tr- you trust them, and they're not gonna gossip. Now don't underestimate the third one of not gossiping. You need to find somebody that's not gonna gossip, that's not gonna go tell other people about the pain you have or the words that somebody else said to you because that's just gonna compound your hurt more and more and more. You need to find somebody that loves you, that you trust, and that's not gonna gossip. Look at what Paul writes in Galatians chapter six, verse two. Share each each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. When Paul is talking about the law of Christ, this law of Christ has its roots in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. They say, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This concept of sharing each other's burdens, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. You and I are commanded to share each other's burdens. I'm commanded to share yours, you're commanded to share mine. And the reason that it's a command is not just because it's a nice thing for us to do. No, it's a command because it's what we are supposed to do as Christ followers because it is exactly what Christ did. But it goes deeper than just sharing each other's burdens. We share each other's burdens and we obey the law of Christ because there is an intrinsic love that we have for each other as Christ followers. You see, you're supposed to share other people's burdens because you love them. You love them so much that you hate to see them hurting. You hate to see them in the state that they're in now. So you are commanded to share their burdens out of the love that you have for them so that they're healed. And they're supposed to do the same for you. And in this way, we prove 
to the world and to this community who we are. Because that doesn't take place anywhere else except in the church, except with Christ followers, to fulfill and obey the law of Christ. Look, there's no better place for this to take place than in your small group. Your small group is where this is designed to happen. I know the vast majority of you are in a small group. You need to make your small group a high priority in life. You, I'm sure you have other circles of friends outside of your small group, but it's not like you're gonna turn around to your friends at your kid's you know, sporting event or practice and say, hey, I need a safe person to talk to because the words that my brother or sister said to me this past week over the phone were really hurtful and I need to talk to somebody about it. That is not gonna happen at practice. It never has and it never will. It happens in your small group. But you have to go to your small group because you are commanded to share the burdens of those in your small group, and they're commanded to share your burdens. By not going to small group and by not looking at it as a priority in your life, you're simply saying this commandment laid out in Galatians 6.2 really is not that important to me. You have to talk to a safe person. If you're gonna have help from healing, and you need to help others heal at the same time. Now look, this next tool, before I give it to you, you're gonna push back. You're gonna push back because it's hard. It's really hard, it's probably the most difficult of all of the tools that we're gonna talk about. However, there is an extreme amount of healing that is waiting for you if you will put this tool into practice in your life. Here's the tool, number three. You have to find value in the other person. Find value in the other person. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I want you to think of the person that spoke the hurtful words to you that we talked about at the beginning of this message. I want you to picture their face. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. He loves them just like he loves you. God sent his son to die on a cross for them just like he sent his son to die on a cross for you. If we are gonna heal from the harmful and hurtful words that that person spoke to you, we have to find at least a shred of value in them. I don't know, you might be saying, how can God love them for what they said to me? Look, God does not love what they said to you. God does not love that. God does not love the pain that you're in. God does not love those words that were spoken. God loves the person. God loves you and God loves them. Now look, if you're just gonna say, you know what? I'm not gonna listen to this tool. I'm gonna write that person off. Well look, you run the risk of ever having a healthy relationship with that person again. And I know there's some of you that are like, sign me up. It's exactly what I want. Dead to me, gone, whoop, out. Look. You can't do that either. Because that flies in the face of Philippians chapter two, verse three. Because if you write that relationship off and simply cast them aside, you are opening the door for selfish ambition, vain conceit, and pride to swell up in your heart. Because according to Philippians two, three, we have to view in humility others above ourselves. Gosh, that hurts. 
that hurts and it's hard, but we have to begin to find value in the other person if we are going to heal. So let's say it was your parents. Let's say your parents spoke something very harsh to you. It's your mom or your dad. We have to find a shred of value in them. Listen, the shred of value is in the fact that they're your parents and without them, you wouldn't be here. Value. That's it. I mean, think about it. You are thankful for them, no matter what they said or what they did or the hurt that you're experiencing now. If it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be here. There is value in that. There is gratitude in that. Great, we have found value in them. We can begin to view them as better and above ourselves. All right, let's talk about worst case scenario. Let's talk about some real hurt. What if somebody was abusive to you? Let's talk about abuse. Look, before we get into it, I am not saying that you are supposed to enter back into a relationship with them. Absolutely not. I would encourage you not to. I do not want you to set yourself up for future damage and future hurtful words to be spoken to you. I want nothing to do with that in your life. Absolutely not. But if we're gonna begin to heal, we have to find a shred of value in that person, and I know this may be hard. And if the only value you can find is that God loves them and sent his son to die on a cross for them because God loves them, fine. Then that's where we'll start. But if we're gonna heal, we have to find value in the other person. All right, let's look at another point. Way more fun than that last one. Number four, determine truth or trash. Truth or trash. comes out of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. Therefore, having to put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. So put away falsehood, speak the truth, truth or trash. It is a tool that my wife, Robin, taught to me while we were dating and has continued to instill in our family and is teaching to our kids now. Let me tell you how we call it a game in our house. Let me tell you how the game's played. When somebody says something to you, you have to evaluate whether it's truth or trash. If it's truth, you take it to heart. Take it to heart. Uh, Change, find encouragement, inspiration from it, motivation from it, whatever it may be. If it's truth, you take it to heart. If it's trash, you throw it away. You throw it away. The longer you let trash sit out on your kitchen counter, the worse it gets. When you change your kid's dirty diaper, do you leave it there? No! You put it away. And if the diaper genie's not strong enough to contain it, well then you take it outside. It's trash, you get rid of it. Truth or trash? It happened this past week, spring break, my wife took our kids to the park, some kid at the park called one of my kids a weirdo. Hurt my kid's feelings, went and told Robin, I was just called a weirdo, Robin says truth or trash, they say trash, okay, we'll go throw it away and then go back and play. That's it. That's how it goes. Now look, I'm not trying to make light of hurtful words that were spoken to you. Say, no, you just throw them away. No, no, that's not the case. We need to focus on healing from hurtful words and this tool is going to help, you'll see in a second. But at the same time, we also have to prevent other hurtful words from being spoken and compounded on top of wounds that you already have. And now look, Truth or trash is extremely effective, but it's not fully effective until we talk about point five. 
until we talk about our fifth thing. You'll see after we get into point number five, you'll see just how effective truth or trash can really be in your life. Here's number five. Confirm and reconfirm how God views me. Confirm and reconfirm how God views me. I first told Robin that I loved her on September 7th, 1999. I told her that day that I loved her, and I've never said it since then because she should know and remember, right? (laughs) No, of course not. No, I say it over and over and over again because I don't ever want her to forget. I don't ever want her to forget how I view her as my wife. Look, it's the same thing in our relationship with God. We have to confirm and reconfirm how God views us. Let me ask a question. When's the last time you sat down, opened your Bible, and let God tell you how he sees you? When's the last time you sat down and confirmed how God views you? Probably doesn't happen that often. And there is a danger because we forget. And if we don't pay attention to how God views us, then there's a chance we're gonna let how other people view us become our identity, and that's dangerous. So let me take the next couple of moments. I wanna tell you how God views you. I wanna tell you about who you are in Jesus Christ because of your relationship with him. Look at Colossians chapter three, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you know how God views you? In Christ, I am chosen, holy, and dearly loved. That's who you are. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are dearly loved. That is the truth. Romans 15, seven, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. How God views you, truth of who you are, I'm accepted. You are accepted. Hurtful words might have been spoken to you. You were not accepted into a group. You were not accepted by family. You were not accepted by friends. Well, that is trash because this is the truth. Romans 15, seven. Next one, John 15, 14. You are my friends. You do what I command. I'm Jesus's friend. That's who you are. That's how God views you. Romans 8, one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How God views you? Who you are in Christ, I'm free from condemnation. Let that sink in for a second. There is no condemnation, there is no shame for anything that you have ever done. God does not condemn you you for any mistake you've ever made in your life. Slate, wiped clean. That is who you are. This next one. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. How God views you, I am a new creation. Brand new, old is gone, new has come. Oh, that's a good feeling right there. This last one's my favorite, John 1:12. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You know how God views you? I'm a child of God. This one is so important for us to remember, especially when it comes to this issue of healing from hurt words. Because so many of the words spoken to us that were hurt and painful or from a parent. God is saying, look, I view you as my child. I am your heavenly father, and this is how I see you. But for some of you in this room, the trash that has been spoken to you is so overwhelming, 
It needs to be confirmed and reconfirmed. You know who you are? You know how God views you? You are chosen. You are holy. You are dearly loved. You are accepted. You are Jesus' friend. You are free. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. That is who you are. And so when you go to look at truth or trash, does what other people say line up with who God says you are? If it does, then it's truth and take it to heart. If it's trash, then throw it away. Throw it away. Think back. In the very beginning of this message, I had you think of somebody and the words that they were spoken to you. Think of those words. Let me ask you a question. Was it truth or trash? It's trash. It's time to throw it away. And it's time to heal. Look, I'm learning in this. Would you join me? Would you join me in healing from these hurtful words? Next week, to wrap up this series, we're gonna take a look at when our words have possibly more weight than ever because the situation is so volatile when we're in conflict. We're gonna talk about how the power of our words is so important in moments of conflict when emotions are the highest next week. You're not gonna wanna miss next week's wrap up to the Say What series. But right now, I want everyone to pull out your connection card and let's take some next steps based on message today. Maybe for you it's this first one. I commit to not say hurtful words to those I love. Look, we gotta stop at some point. Let's just stop the hurtful words. Would you make the commitment to not say hurtful words to those you love? This next one. I will talk to a safe person this week about healing from hurtful words spoken to me. Would you make that commitment? Or this third one. I commit to do the things necessary to be a safe person for others in my life. Would you make that commitment? Make the commitment to do the things necessary to be a safe person. Like you wanna know one of the things you gotta do is you gotta go to your small group. So, you gotta go. Here's the fourth one. I commit to find value in the person who spoke hurtful words to me. I know this one is hard. I know this fourth next step is difficult, but I promise you, if you can begin to find value in them, you will begin to experience healing like you didn't think possible, possibly even a few days ago. Or this fifth one, I will determine whether the hurtful words spoken to me were truth or trash, and then handle accordingly. Evaluate, were the words truth, or whether they were trash, and then handle them accordingly. Or this next one, I will confirm and reconfirm who I am in Christ three times this week. Here's what it looks like, I want you to take your sermon notes, and that last point, three times this week, I just want you to read it out loud. Just read it out loud, three times this week and let the truth of how God views you begin to sink in. It will help you evaluate words that other people speak to you on an incredible scale. Or this last one, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, if you've been thinking about this since the very beginning of the message, the bottom of your sermon notes on the back, there's a sample prayer to become a Christ follower. If there's never come a time in your life where you've said that prayer or one like it, committing your life to following Jesus Christ. I'm gonna give you some time in just a couple of moments. If that's you, I want you to pray that prayer. Check that box on the next steps because we'd love to follow up with you this next week and let you know how excited we are about the decision that you've made. But right now, no matter what next step you wanna take, I wanna give all of us a chance to pray silently for the next couple of moments about strength to follow through on our next steps this week. So would everybody go ahead and bow your head with me for the next few moments.
Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you so much that your word is so clear on how we are to heal, God, from hurtful words that are spoken to us. Thank you, Lord, that there is healing in you. And God, I ask that this week, God, that we would begin to put these tools into practice and that we would find healing. God, that we would rejoice in the healing that you have given us. God, I pray that we would continually confirm and reconfirm who we are in you. God, that we would begin to see ourselves the way that you see us. God, that we are chosen, we are holy. God, that we are dearly loved. God, that we are new creations. God, that we are your friend. God, there is no condemnation. God, I thank you so much that we are your children. God, and that you see us that way. Lord, would we celebrate the fact that you are our eternal father. God, would we embrace that love that you are so generously bestowing upon us. Lord, would we follow you. God, out of a desire to express our love to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.